All right, Bon Appetit Foodcast. I'm Adam Rappaport. Uh, this week we have on Amy Morris and Anna Polanski, uh, who run MP Shift, which is a concept design and branding studio focusing on restaurants. Uh, and at some point I realized like so many of the cool graphic elements that restaurants do that I see on Instagram and whatnot, or I'm at a place and I'm loving the way the menu looks, I realized that. Anna and Amy designed them. Uh, and in fact, just this past year, they won James Beard Award for Outstanding Restaurant Design for De Maria, a restaurant here uh, in Manhattan. So anyways, yeah, what do they do? Well, they specialize in everything from marketing to graphic design to overall visual identity for a restaurant. And so I talked to them about how they do what they do uh, and how they sort of turn restaurant owners' imaginations into reality uh, when it comes to everything from the layout of a space to the graphics on the menus to matchbooks, you name it. So, fascinating talk. I'm into this one, uh, and let's do this. Okay, so Amy, we're talking about your jumpsuit. Oh, <laughs> they told you you'd catch us off guard. I knew it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I love jumpsuits right now. They're so easy, comfortable, uh, and it's fun to do something a little different with them when what's expected. So. And this one is from, you, you got it in Brooklyn at? At the General Store in Dumbo. Those guys are excellent. They're great curators. And it's vintage? Yeah, vintage. But it's like a nice sort of like Crayola blue. Yeah, it's a, that Parisian blue that you Parisian, see. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like what well, we like have this one. Jacket. Emil on our staff, Emil Stonic, he kind of, he looks like a Parisian street sweeper most days <laughs> in here in the office. He has like this little blue, blue on blue suit made out of sort of a denim-y, canvas sort of material. Right. Uh, but then that, that also reminds me of that project you guys did in Paris, Echo, correct? Yeah, uh, yeah. Which has those very sort of primary color vibes going on. I love on. the segue. Yeah. Good well, this is all, I've, I've been planning <laughs> it out since last night. Well, all right, so I'm just going to dive in. We'll, we'll hit on a lot of subjects. All right, so you designed a cafe in Paris, which was named after Echo Park in LA. I read this on your website. And then if you look at, this, at the site, by the way, the site is called, yeah, just thempshift.com. Uh, and you can see all these things we're talking about as we talk about them. I think that'd be pretty yeah. cool for the listener. And you kind of got away from a few years ago. Everything was kind of pink and mint and this and that. And you went with this very blue, yellow, red sort of color story. Well, we didn't design the interiors. No, uh, but the, like the, the, the oh, logos the logo, and all yeah. that sort of stuff. Anna, you want to talk about the color? Part? Yeah, I mean, it, it's funny how we've been associated with pink and mint because of one space. Um, so I think it's, yeah, just to introduce a little bit the company, what's really unique to the MP Shift is that we don't want to have a signature style. So most famous designers in New York, you can recognize their style immediately, and sometimes it's great style. But we really see ourselves as a creative agency, not as artists. So we're here to translate the client's visions. I love the fact that you guys get pissed off about color palettes. <laughs> You're like, we are not the pink company. I think we are doing pink. Exactly. We did yeah, one place I mean, that had pink. Yeah, good you way to start well. the podcast, Adam. <laughs> start you know the pink. Well. I, wanted to, I wanted to get you guys going. Um, yeah, no, so De Maria was done, you know, with Kimmel Becerra. It was a collaboration. It really meant to talk about California and travels and healthy and that's what that color palette was with a lot of pastels and mutin. Yeah. Echo is very different. It's a guy. He's obsessed with LA. He loves the street art from LA. He loves those bold colors. Um, he also likes the 80s. So, you know, the yellow was part of it. So every palette is different for every client. And we're never going to use the same decor as we did for De Maria for another concept that was really specific to De Maria. 
So just for the record, I was talking about more just kind of out there in the design <laughs> sphere, how that color palette was kind of a thing. Uh, yeah. But so you guys, which is interesting, so I, I feel like we can, it's hard to, it's funny doing a podcast about uh graphic design and stuff where you can't the the view the you the listener can't necessarily see what we're talking about but i i do feel like you guys have a distinct style but it seems like you adapt that sort of style and philosophy to your clients sort of interests and needs we have a touch a so touch Ooh, i like that it's very important to us to articulate the client's vision so we always start with a brand q a and get to know the client we also start with a visual q a do you do this like at an all-day cafe or do you like <laughs> do you go to a bar we, and have drinks we'll do it wherever it's good for the client like uh-huh. we try to meet them where where it's best because we do work with clients all around the world so a lot of times this happens over email and phone calls we always start with the client and getting to know them well and then we try to articulate that vision vision the best possible way for that client Um, and our touch that you are uh, referring to is we like a bit of imperfections in our Mm -hmm. designs we want them to feel like a space that you're familiar with and it, that doesn't come with a space that's over-designed and feels like a set. Well, all right, so it's interesting. I forgot there's so much to talk about. Um, I feel like you, you immediately went to space where I was actually thinking of your graphics. And there's there's two very distinctly different components of what you guys do from your, you know, let's, for the listener, just like menus, matchbooks, cards, uh, et cetera, logo. And then you've got the space itself, which is three-dimensional. The interior. And, and it's interesting with your graphics. I've it's, you mentioned that imperfection, like a lot of them, they do feel a little off kilter. There's a little sort of like leaning <laughs> this way or that way or some wiggles or yeah. tilts to them or whatnot. But I also think they're very, I don't know if bold is the right word, but they're very graphic and like there's not too much going on, but what there is is going on, you like you get it right away. Absolutely. Yes, it's very important to us that we deliver creative that is some of the best you're seeing out there. And we really push our team, Anna and I, creative direct every space and every graphics that you see on our site, if you're following along. And we're always pushing it. And it's interesting, I was looking, listening to a podcast recently about creativity and how I often find that our team will come to Anna and I with a design, whether it's interiors or graphics, and they're so nervous in the beginning that it's not 100%, they haven't knocked it out of the park. And Anna and I are always telling them, don't worry about that. We have a starting point and we're going to get there through this yeah, process. That always have. seems the most like, what's that, like that seed that feels potent and exciting and then you can sort of hone it and craft exactly. it as you go. But I think what keeps it clean and, and bold and graphic, whether it's graphics or interiors, is that we ask our team to work with the positioning in mind. So it's the third thing we do is <clears throat> brand positioning and what brand strategy. I don't even know what that means. So we never just start working on the logo on interiors by just putting together a mood board. That's the second step. The first step is really like a a marketing agency sitting down and thinking, okay, what is the project? And with the Q&A, it's interesting because we'll find that different owners have different way to talk about their concepts. So we try to put our finger on this. What's the... Yeah, well, how do you do that? Because certain people are very good at clearly expressing what it is they want and what it is they feel, certain people are not good at that. So what do you do when you meet a client who's not a great communicator? How do you extract it from him or her? I mean, it's most clients, to yeah. be honest. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of chefs are not great communicators. Yeah. They're cooking. That's not that's what they their do. way of expressing yeah. themselves. So, you know, we've had, I mean, I think Tilda, now called Otway, is a good example. They they are located on St. James in Clinton Hill. And so they were just going to call it St. James. 
And as we get closer to the design work, one of the answers to the Q&A we realized was we don't want anyone to think it's a religious place. So we're like, okay, well then we may want to... We may want to change the name that's going to impact the branding as well. We also found that the three owners or participants had different words to describe it. One would say it's a cafe, one would say it's a restaurant, one would say it's a coffee shop. Wow. So by noticing those inconsistencies, it's a way for us to make sure they get on the same page. Yeah. And then we help them create a mission statement and values and yeah. so on and so forth. So when the creative team starts working, they have a very clear positioning laid out in front of them. And so I think that's why at the end of the day, the creative is quite meaningful. It's imperfect, but it's never just the result of a design fantasy or it's never designed. It really has a purpose and it serves a you, message. You know what the mission is. I mean, it's funny, We I, when our former creative director, Alex Grossman, who you guys know, when, when he was here, and it's that thing of language and visuals and how the two don't always connect. And you know, he always made use this example, which I agree with 100%. He says like, oh, when someone says they want it to be modern, like modern can mean 20 different things to 20 different people. Absolutely. If you don't actually have some tear sheets, some visual samples to, that people can latch on to, like, oh no, that's what I mean. You're like, okay, like so you're talking important. like 1930s modern as compared to 1980s modern or whatever. Um, and it's, it's, it's so different. And, and it seems like you really have to sort of get on page with your clients before you're like, all right, we're ready to move ahead, I yeah. imagine. And that's the second part of the Q&A. There is a, a list of questions, but we also ask them to put together five a mood board with five photos, because as you say, some you know people will say it's colorful. For some people, it means one pop of yellow in a black and white photo. Yeah. For other people, it's a lot of color. So we do that work as well. I guess you know there's a concept of, all right, this, we, we want, you've got your mood board, you have your references, you choose a color palette. I get the leap to designing a menu and a matchbox. I love that restaurants still have matches, those that do. But designing a three-dimensional functional space that has to operate, that you're dealing with lighting and acoustics and traffic flow and comfort and vibe and all that, that seems like a giant leap from being graphic designers. And my guess, at what point did you guys think Hey, we can do this, and 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 how has that journey been to designing actual functioning restaurant spaces? Well, Anna and I both have a background in strategy, graphics, and interiors, or designing a sets or interiors. So we've been doing all that MP Shift does for a long time throughout our careers. And but had you ever designed a, a restaurant? Never a restaurant. Okay. Interiors of homes, um, and also sets and events, which is all very similar the way you think about it. And what's interesting is that we try to take the aspect of, of designing a home. When we go to a restaurant, we think more like we think when we're designing a home because we want the space to feel that comfort level. And also, we don't want the space to feel cold like a sea of two tops. We want you to have different areas to sit, much like in your own home. That brings people back. It's a good business decision as well because it leaves a lot of opportunity to say, I sat in the banquet last time. I'm really looking forward to sitting down in that corner or um, I want to have a little party and they have this great area where you can, you have, can have a big table. We think about that. That's one of the first things we do is work on the floor plan and try to make the space feel like you can walk through it much like you walk through a home. And then we also think about areas that you can privatize. So how can you find an area that could be privatized while still leaving the restaurant open? Because I know I get really upset every time I go to a restaurant and it's closed for a private event. Yes. So. You, see, you see it on their Instagram. Some yeah, and some don't closed. even put it on. Yeah. And then you're... But I got, all right. So, I mean, it's interesting but, you mentioned the home comparison because as a homeowner, um, 
there's that there's again there's that leap be, be from designing decorating whatever your home to actually living in it for a while and understanding how it functions and how often have you had to sort of go back to a restaurant and make adjustments or sort of revisions based on now that it's up and running I mean the first couple of weeks we'll make a few adjustments but you know at that point it's really the owner's decision and and we step out and it's it's their home and so if they feel like they should add a piece of art or if they feel like they need an extra shelf you know he should go for it but what about functionality you're designing a space on a computer with no one in it it's very different when all of a sudden it's full and they're doing 140 covers a night but i think we have a real vision where we can see that space come to life from the floor plan we love doing floor plans i mean we really (laughs) The architects sometimes like doing it, but we really like to have the first go of, of setting it, setting the space and creating different areas. We do not want you to walk into a space and only have a two-top of, as an option. We yeah. want a communal table. We want a banquette. We want maybe a little quiet area, a privatized area. We think about all of that in... Romper, romper room for the kids. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, if you got kids... You... If you could just have a place where I could just throw my kids in the corner while I have like two glasses of wine and, and eat and drink. Actually, we have a place in Houston opening that oh, really? would be That's perfect good. for that. <laughs> Maybe I'll go to so, Houston. I haven't been. But I don't space. think it's a chili. I think it's actually our strength that we don't have traditional academic backgrounds mm-hmm. in design because we th- we put a lot of common sense in it. And it's really how we work. As Amy said, whenever we design a restaurant, we think, okay, would we do that in our house? Would we have this crazy ceiling installation with ridiculous lights, you know, yeah. that these big restaurants do? We wouldn't do this. Would we retile the entire wall just because a little piece of tile is missing? No, we would find a solution, you know? And that's what creates a charming house. And it's the same for layouts. You don't really need to study to understand the flow. It's like, okay, sometimes you just want to go for a bite, but you don't dare taking a table because you're not going to have a full meal. Well, then create an area for this. Essentially, you mentioned being, not being like schooled in that sense of having gone to architecture school, and there's, that, I guess, some parallels between chefs who you know, spent three years at CIA compared to chefs who just kind of learned on their own from working here and there and having a more sort of free-flowing personal style as opposed to, no, this is how you make a hollandaise sauce. It's interesting. We had an intern one summer who was from architecture school, and we had a project in London we were working on, and we were designing the facade, and we gave her some ideas of how we wanted that facade to look, and we were really trying to push the boundaries, and she kept coming back to us and saying that you can't do that with architecture. You cannot do that design. And And you're like, what do you mean? We're, well, we, you can do that design. We know enough to know it can happen. But with architecture school, she, she had all these boundaries she was working within that she didn't feel like she could leave those boundaries. And that's what Anna is saying is that this has been a real advantage for us because we don't see those boundaries. We only see opportunity. Well, how did that resolve itself? Did, it, did you like convince We were able her? to design the facade we wanted to design. The client was really happy with it. Um, we gave them many options, as we always do. Um, and and I think that intern has come back to us and said, wow, I, I kind of wish I could stop going to our, my architecture degree and join you guys now because she felt like that was very enlightening and more creative and more inspiring. And, and that's why our designs reflect that as well. And I think that's what helps us as well, not having a signature style because we're totally open-minded with every single project. We don't have one way to do things. We always rethink it from scratch. So... All right, so who does what? Everyone asks that. That's <laughs> yeah. funny. Well, we both do everything. All right, so. man, I'm going to put you on the spot again. <laughs> <laughs> what is Amy better at than you? 
That is not nice. You can op- answer this any way. No, thank <laughs> well, you. Well, like, she wears better jumpsuits than I do. <laughs> and it has great no, jumpsuits I, I as well. I think I've learned a lot. I mean, Amy has worked in strategy for decades. She's been a real, you know, passionate about interiors. So she has incredible inspirations. I think Amy's put a lot of incredible processes um, in the company that really makes us more efficient. And that's a big thing for us. Again, we're really a creative agency. We don't want to just be cute, creative. You know, we want to be efficient for the clients. Um, what, I don't know. What I do mean, I bring? I, w- I, yeah, well, I yeah. Well, <laughs> well what, I was going to say, Anna do well? I mean, you know, it is good to note that Anna's Parisian and I'm from the U.S. And, you know, there's a 15-year age difference. And we met about over 10 years ago. Um, and we've been really good friends um, and then started this business. But what was interesting is that we both have this similar drive to not do things as they've always been done. And that's quite unique because I think a lot of people are afraid to do something differently, to be judged or be told that that's the wrong way to do it. And that, I think, has allowed us to be very symbiotic. We're always pushing the boundaries, always looking for a more efficient process or more creative way. Um, so we're very much on the same page, and I feel like I learn from Anna every day. Wait, in did you say small what she, did? You say what she does better than you? <laughs> she does everything better. Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, she's definitely uh, she's she's just a star at everything she does. So uh, I mean, it's been <laughs> the best partner I could possibly have for this project. All right, let's talk about your most recent project, Tacosina. Yes, uh, that was a lot of fun. Union Square Hospitality Group, Danny Myers Group. So here, it's fair to say. Prior to this, a lot of your clients have been smaller, independent-owned restaurants kind of doing their thing. Uh, This is working with a very big restaurant company. First Brooklyn project. Yeah, so talk us through this process. How did they approach you? What did they they say to you? What what, what, What was the relationship like? Well, we have a great relationship with them. I mean, one thing I do want to say about that project, because we haven't been able to say it publicly yet, and it was such a great moment when we presented the creative for that. We presented probably six logos or eight logos to Danny Meyer. And his comment was, I feel like I'm at a restaurant where I want everything on the menu. <laughs> That's good. That was pretty incredible. So wait, that yeah, felt do, before good. we get that, so explain, explain, Anna, explain what Tacosina is to the listeners. Yes, yeah, so Tacosina is a taco concept from Danny Meyer. It's his first taco concept. Um, the chef used to be the sous chef at Union Square Cafe. She's Mexican, um, but they're not pretending to be authentically Mexican. It's kind of a New York take on this. Um, and what's incredible beyond the food is the venue. So they're on the waterfront on the East River in Williamsburg. It's a new public park. It's the, I mean, the best view we've ever seen, probably yeah. in New York. And we didn't really realize that when we first talked with them. They were just like, you know, let's work together. We're, it's our first project in Brooklyn. We want it to be a little younger and cooler um, than what we're used to doing. We feel like you guys would be perfect for this. And then we understood that we were going to design this huge sign on the waterfront <laughs> that's pretty much, I mean, it's like the Pepsi sign, pretty much. I mean, so. it's like a couple of stories. <laughs> <huh>? Yeah. <laughs> so that made the project even more fun for us. Um, but they've been incredible clients. I think it shows how, I mean, they have such experience and they're so professional and they totally understood our process and not everyone does, you know, it's, we're very clear. We have four rounds. Every round is very specific. We have this Q and A. They've been amazing and understanding. Oh, but it's, it was interesting. You said this taco concept, you didn't say restaurant. So when you say, why did you say concept? 
it's a it's a kiosk on the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, and that's also how Shake Shack started as a yeah, kiosk exactly. in, in Madison Park. Exactly. <laughs> Did you? But when you designed this and got into business with them, were you thinking, okay, this could be the first of several taco scenes? And then did that fact that this could roll out to more, did that affect how you did the logo and design that it could be repeatable? Yeah, I mean, we always think about that, mm-hmm. um, especially when the brief is we want to be cool and young in yeah. Brooklyn. Which, again, could mean <laughs> any 20 different things. Yeah, and it's we had to deal with that with Samisa as well. the Shaw- Samisa, the okay. Sussman Brothers, okay. shawarma concepts uh, there in Williamsburg. They were our first graphics project, I believe. Um, and they're, they're authentically Brooklyn. You know, Max was at Roberta's. Eli was at My Land. Um, so... When we think about Brooklyn and cool, we want to make it Brooklyn and cool, but we all also always think, okay, what's beyond that? What if it grows? What if the shawarma concept is in airports some yes, days? Exactly. Do you go neon pink? Maybe not. Maybe you have more varieties and options to use it. So. And so for Taco Sina, give me what is the backstory in terms of how the logo came about, how the color palette came about? Because again, it's very, you see it and you like, you get it immediately. Yeah, so we always start with a creative direction. So this creative direction was... Uh, Baja meets Futurismo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, explain. So it's really important from the brand positioning that now we know the client, but we want to present them with two creative directions that relate to that positioning. So this was one. I I'm, don't remember the second creative direction, but they chose that creative direction. Um, so that really influences the colors when you think of Baja. So we start looking at images of Baja, and then we look at old taco shacks, and we do our research. And then from that, we narrow it down. And we always offer the client a couple of color palettes. This one was quite a bold color palette. And knowing Union Square Hospitality Group, we also offered them alternatives yeah. that weren't so bold. But we were they were with us all the way on this. They loved the creativity. And so I hate to it. tell you, but there are some like kind of pinks and greens going on here. <laughs> <laughs> it's balanced. It's not just neon pink. Well, actually, I mean, that palette specifically was inspired by Joseph Albert's book on Mexico. Okay, yeah. sure. Uh, which happened by chance to be one of Danny, Danny Meyer's favorite uh, painters and books. Yeah. So it worked out. Um, and again, you know, the creative direction has a purpose. Baja was talking about freshness and, and this seaside vibe in Mexico and then Futurismo one of the founders of the movement spent a lot of time in New York City so it's talking about New York and Brooklyn and this sort of rebellious movement so I'm gonna pry is there any sort of contract like if they open another one in say Washington DC do you have first dibs on designing that one or no 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 but it'd be (laughs) fun if you did it would be great yeah. And I think, you know, the way we work with clients, they really enjoy it. So they naturally come back to work with us yeah. again. And we've already started working with Danny on other projects. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you care to share? I don't think we can. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So in terms of, like, again, like you, it, what's interesting, you mentioned design versus architecture and who does what. Like, for instance, um, do you guys – I'm at that age now where – if I go to a restaurant and the acoustics are bad, it drives me freaking crazy. And there's a certain all-day cafe that I like, but it's just so loud and cacophonous. And I like a buzzy restaurant, but like just hard noise bouncing off the floors and the tables and the ceilings. Do you get into that? Is that your responsibility at all? It isn't, but we do try to have 
some influence in that because we as well don't like that. I mean, your you experience is everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, it's it's the whole experience when you sit down. You want to have a conversation with the people you're with, and you want to enjoy the food. And if you can't hear them, it is a problem. So we do when we're designing a space, we do talk about what are the acoustics and where might there be issues, and how can we help resolve that with the art, or could they install things in the ceiling? But that can get expensive, right? It can. Yeah. So not everyone wants to invest in that. All right, what's your track record of staying on budget? Uh, we always stay on budget. Really? Yeah. yeah. And on time. I mean, yeah. we've never been late how? on how do you, any how project. Do you, who, so who's, how, who, <laughs> who among you or someone else makes sure, like, this, the job gets done when it's supposed to get done in the budget? Do you have a project manager type, or do you want to do that? Yeah, a I mean, it's fun. a mix of having the right team. So we were just talking about Julie, who was with us at the James Beard Award. She was our first employee. She now helps us really manage the whole creative team. And so, for instance, Amy and I do a lot of the biz dev. We're never going to sign a quote if she doesn't confirm we can actually do this yeah. on time. Um, and then Grace um, heads the graphics department. Same. She makes sure... Uh, we can commit to the right timeline and we send that timeline to the client so they know what to expect and you know sometimes we know we can deliver before september and they know it but if it's fine for them we'll make it happen um, and then we have a lot of processes as i was saying each round you know specifically includes xyz we never over deliver on the first round to make sure the client stays focused <laughs> and on track so it's, it's very process oriented i think incredibly so for a creative agency what about th what's the difference between operationally working on a project, say, Lower East Side or in Brooklyn, compared to working on a project in Paris or London? It's funny, we were just talking about that, and we were talking about how seamlessly we've been able to work with clients in Paris and London. I can barely even work with people in my own office. <laughs> can I sit like 10 we people We can help down? you with that. Yeah, I'm pleased yeah. <laughs> We'll sit down after this. But yeah, it's been really seamless because we have so many processes. It's surprising. I think creative people think you, you'll come, or people who think about creative people think you'll come into their office and it will be a mess and there will be images everywhere. But for us, we feel the more organized you are, the more room you have for the creative process. I like that. You set up some a template, some scaffolding, and that allows you. At BA, when we um, we launched those two verticals last year, Healthy-ish and Basically, um, and it sounds like a similar process to what you did. Uh, we had this design team at Kanye Nass, this woman, Brooke Ellis, used to run. And they came in, and they were very clear, like, here's the schedule. It's a nine-week schedule. This week, we're going to do this. What's, let's talk about the concept. Then let's talk color palette. Then we'll talk fonts. And it was such a, it's so different from the way I work. I try, I'm kind of like, we talked about this before, I'm kind of neat, but I'm, I'm not as <laughs> sort of structured as I should be. Right. Uh, and it was interesting having that structure then allowed you to sort of think a little bit more freely because you knew the structure was going to be there to support the thought. Absolutely. We just took another step to organize the company, and already I'm finding it's allowing me to think more creatively. I feel more relaxed and more focused on the creative aspect of the projects, opposed to having to manage the ad. Who's program. your messiest employee? <laughs> <laughs> They're oh. all pretty good. I mean, we have a pretty tough um, application process for HR. And so once you make it to the table, chances are you're pretty organized and professional. Like, does someone always, like, leave their, like, winter coat on the back of their chair? Or does, like, everyone hang <laughs> them up? I mean, that's acceptable. We want no, a little, it, is it the, you know, it's come it's on. Like we don't... Nice chairs. You don't want coats hanging out everywhere. We want personality. We want everyone to bring their own idiosyncrasies to the table. We, we celebrate that. Um, how much uh, – we're going to get to the lightning round shortly here. Uh-oh. Um, 
but how much is lighting your responsibility compared to someone who's brought in to specialize, especially on lighting? We do the decorative lighting. We like to big spaces, especially if it's a big brand that goes beyond just a eating venue. We like to have a professional lighting designer working with us on the spotlights. But lighting is very important. Um, and I think people always ask us, I would say people always ask us, how do you take an all-day cafe from day to night? And really, it's simple as lighting and mm-hmm. styling. And, 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 and alcohol. The, it's funny you say that because I find it very interesting that bars sometimes will cover the alcohol. So one of our clients has an all-day cafe. He's opening for dinner tonight. And I noticed he's pulling a shade over the alcohol and menu. Or really? I don't know if he has alcohol, but he has a menu and he's pulling a shade over it. And I saw another bar pull a shade over the alcohol. I have no problem looking at alcohol oh, while I'm having breakfast. Also, what's nice is it's so part of the design. Booze bottles are so pretty. Exactly. They're, nice they add a touch. Yeah. But, but that's what that? I mean. I feel like there are some sort of preconceived ideas on design and architecture, and people will tell you, you cannot have less than X two tops. You have yeah. to cover the alcohol. A bar should cannot only have two steps for bottle. You should have a whole wall with bottles. Yeah. You know. And I think because we have no preconceived ideas we can change that and disrupt that oh, it's so funny it's and then important. when someone does something different everyone notices yeah. exactly same exactly. for colors you can't mix you know blue and black or yeah. it's just hilarious a lot of people yeah. don't want to use black but we're seeing a trend where black is being mixed with lighter colors and yeah. we're seeing well, more seen of that. That. it's interesting don't you see that like at um at atla do they have that black wall that's true they yeah. do and the black icon too of the yeah. girl yeah um, and then we're working on a bar in Paris, a mezcal bar in Paris, and we're oh, doing really? an upstairs. Mezcal comes to Paris. Wow. That's right. Here we go. Um, and we're doing a black upstairs. It's all oh, wow. black and navy. And uh, well, that's pretty cool. Blue. Oh, I had one random question. You had designed that salad concept uh, in Flatiron, Verde, Verde. Uh, which is really cool. What does it feel like when one of your projects closes or for whatever reason? And then restaurant business. I have no idea what, why or whatever, but restaurant business is incredibly hard and rent and everything. Yeah. Um, but to have spent that much time and actually f- physical labor and also just, you know, beautiful stones or marble or tiling and all that goes into a space and then it's like, oh, we got to close. It's very sad. I mean, that project closed because of personal reasons yeah. and the owners were moving back to Mexico. But that was hard to see because it was so quick. We did know the people who took over there and we negotiated a few things. <laughs> What does that mean? You negotiated what? Did you well, take some so, things out? So for Verde, well, first of all, yes. Second of all, we did this beautiful counter for Verde. Yeah, so explain four the counter. Different sla- yep. Four different slabs of marble creating a certain pattern that we then used into the branding. We used the leftover marble in the floor and the facade. I mean, that counter meant a lot to us. So instead of having the new um, tenant destroy it, we asked them to just cover it with wood, which they oh, did. Really? In ca- you know, you know, it but didn't. You, could, you couldn't take that whole counter out, could you? <laughs> no, we couldn't. Yeah. But it's not so much a possessive thing. It's just like that's a beautiful piece, and we understand it's not on brand with this new tenant, but it might work for the, the next, next concept. What's in there now? Maman, the French uh, okay, bakery, yeah, sure. and they're killing it there, and they're awesome people. But yeah, we we beg them not to destroy no, the counter. Because it's a very and personal it. expression <laughs> of is, yeah. the client and yourselves, and then all of a sudden these other people yeah move in. Yeah, but the good news is that Gonzalo went down to Mexico City to open an agave bar. So oh. more news on that okay. Labor Day. Yeah, that it should be around that time frame. All right, we are gonna gonna hit you up with some lightning round questions. I think you both could answer them, right? <laughs> Either one. All right, and they're all sort of you know kind of restaurant sort of minded so you guys ready we think so yeah all right let's talk about dinner bar or banquette 
Bar. Bar. And banquette I like, but if there's a round banquette with one single chair, I, nothing bothers me more than that. Wait, explain that to me again. You know when you're at a banquette and it's all banquette, but there's a chair on the, there's one single chair that's not banquette? Mm, Who yeah. wants to be in that no. chair? Oh, you're saying, you're, oh, you mean like more of a booth, so like yeah, a horseshoe like a booth round, and then yeah. someone sits at the end. That's yeah, always no, a little awkward, right? It is. No one, stop doing yeah. those. People should stop that. No one wants Scandalous. to be in that chair. Yeah. <laughs> it's a scandal. <laughs> Futura or Helvetica? Futura. Uh, depends. <laughs> <laughs> what is, depends on what? Well, it's the hard. Match. It depends on the positioning. <laughs> what is, what does positioning context. mean? Well, I feel the like how, yeah, yeah, Helvetica has something cleaner and more modern. Futura is really elegant and more high end. You get to pick one. Which one's it going to be? All right, I'll, I'll go for Helvetica just to show we have a variety. <laughs> <laughs> uh, stem or stemless? Ah, uh, that's interesting. Stemless. What does it mean? The, the wine glass. Oh, stem. For stem. Him. Yeah. Well, she's, she's, she's French. <laughs> okay. yeah, I knew her answer. And that is a debate with my husband and yeah. him, actually. I bought some with stem this weekend because I couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> I can't do stems at home. I, it feels too yeah, formal. It feels too exactly. dining out for me. And I know that back in the day, you would never even think of dr- drinking. that. That's what a wine glass was. But I like to either do more juice glasses at home or those more bigger I'm glad you come out on this ones. publicly. No yeah. stems yeah. at home. That's I think great. a lot of people do what you do, but I just like the ritual. I don't think it changes the taste or anything, but I just like the ritual of having a beautiful wine, a beautiful glass, and yeah, yeah. yeah. the ceremony of it. We'll let you get away with that one. <laughs> um, plants or flowers? Plants? I mean, again, context is yeah. important. We're not, this, I, is I the, would, this is lightning <laughs> round. You don't get context. All right, plants then. Well, they last longer. I think, I think yeah. with flowers, flowers are beautiful in a restaurant. They make such a huge difference, but they are expensive. I don't think people realize how expensive oh, and yeah. time-consuming having no, fresh-cut flowers yeah, exactly. in your restaurant you need a professional too. Well, yeah. that's what I'm saying. And then you're paying that yeah. professional, and then that professional is paying a lot for the flowers, and then yeah, they're no, changing them out every few days. But you need the pros for the plants too, because I see too many restaurateurs put in plants and then they don't water them and they oh. die and that makes the restaurant look terrible when the plants are dying you should that come to my office op- I have that fig <laughs> tree in my office which is that's the second one the, I think there's something uh-uh. about the, the ventilation from the floor and the sunlight and they it's ah, like sure. it's like a Bermuda Triangle for fig trees <laughs> fig trees should be quite easy put in a little light and water you should be fine I, <laughs> yeah. we'll have to go have a look at that okay we're gonna go old school here uh, La Grande Wii or what was the Four Seasons and is now the Grill What's the first one? Oh, like uh, grenouille. La okay. grenouille. Say it again. Say it again for us. It's like, that's such a Parisian cab driver to think. You say oh. the name of the street four times to the cab driver, and he's like, what? What? No. Yeah. Like, oh, the word. You're like, that's what I was saying, wasn't it? La yeah. grenouille. Um, I, I would go with la grenouille. The pool. The pool. Yeah. The pool, not the grill. Or the grill. The grill, okay. The grill, yeah. I would say la grenouille. Um, <laughs> Both are like historic, by far the best lighting of any restaurant Very in America. Yeah. yeah, I think we did a piece on Incredible them one time uh, that Brett Martin wrote, and I think we reported that we can figure out there were seven hundred and like fifty-two light bulbs in the place from wow. tiny little ones. Wow. I mean, they have like table lamps, wall sconces, sort of recessed strip lighting. Like so that whole restaurant, you walk do it they, just uh, glows. Clap the on, clap bell. off, <laughs> and they also do amazing fresh flowers there. Um, no expense spared. Steak or frites? I'll go with steak. <laughs> <laughs> what's your favorite kind of steak? Um, what's I like 
Well, I don't know the English words. Oh. Bev- well, rebuy, I guess, is always rebuy. Yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. Correct answer. <laughs> um, votive or candlestick? Candlestick. candlestick yeah. Wow, classic. Yeah. yeah. They, do, they have those at uh, Le Cuckoo, don't they do? Proper candlesticks, yeah, which is, which is kind of a rarity. Yeah, in you don't City. see it. Yeah. yeah, it's just. I mean, the votive could be nice, but it's become such a ob- like it's too IKEA at this point. I feel yeah. like everyone's using the but same glass ones. And exactly. It's not, but I will say, what's nice about a votive, uh, they still add a nice glow, and they're so easy. You buy a yeah. box and you just throw them on the table. If you're just doing like a friend quick dinner party yeah. or whatever. No, they're great. I just think they could be more creative. You know, just yeah. add a little well, hint well, of color. You, you know what? You actually you want a design firm, so <laughs> just, just disrupts the body. Maybe we you were, can get creative with them. <laughs> we were just in Oaxaca not too long ago, and one of the things we were they're looking for were candlesticks oh okay yeah cool uh moma or whitney oh whitney hands down really oh, it's always been one of my favorites i would go with moma yeah. i like that you guys disagree. see that's why we're partners yeah, yeah. yeah. yin and yang yeah. yeah oh this is a good one good restaurant one i think tile or wallpaper i would go with tile so like you guys have done more tile. What just for maintenance purposes, but we would love to do more wallpaper. It's just hard to convince restaurateurs to do it. But I'm gonna go wallpaper. I mean, we don't do a lot of wallpaper, but I just think the amount of tile you should have on walls is you need to be yeah. careful. Yeah, we've been you, and we've sound been, is an issue. Like oh, that's we interesting. Were about. Nationally, we've been seeing a lot more wallpaper, like yeah. fun wallpaper, which is kind of cool. Or at least like on one accent wall or in the bathroom or something. It's really nice. Yeah, you can design your own wallpaper, which is always fun too. Yeah. Okay. Great. That's why we'll tell our clients in New York. Nationally, yeah. it's been very popular. Didn't you hear the podcast? Exactly. <laughs> Says Listen I don't pop To the food guest, <laughs> yeah. great lighting or great natural light. A great natural light is ideal. Yeah, I mean, that's the dream, <laughs> to have big get windows. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, a uh, couple more. Um, ooh, because you guys are all good at this, both personally and your brand. Um, Insta stories or flat Instagram? Traditional <laughs> Instagram. I love a story. <laughs> the thing is, stories are easy. You can just quickly snap yeah. one. And where with the feed, you really need to think about what you're going to say, who you're going to tag. Although I do that less and less thinking about it. But uh, one thing I do want to make a point on Instagram is that we do we never design for Instagram. Oh, you're saying never design the restaurants. Where is that never. whole thing? It's never part of our design thought. It's really important to us that we stay focused on the vision and on the client. And if it's done well, it will be Instagrammed, which means yes. photographed. So but that also comes back to the natural light or great lighting. If you have great natural light, it's a lot easier to Instagram from exactly. a restaurant. Exactly, yeah. Um, what's your Instagram handle for MP Shift? The MP Shift. T H E M P Shift. Wait, who, and who handles the most of the posting? Well, we have a pretty good staff, uh-huh. so we have people on our staff take turns okay. um, figuring out a theme. So our Instagram is quite unique. I don't know anyone else who does it the way we do, but we have a mini zine. So every week is a different topic, and yes. then we have seven posts on that topic. So we have different people in the team pick the topic, and then Anna and I review the topic and the words and the photos. Yeah. And I was, I was going to say, I like your Instagram a lot because um, obviously you keep way for people to keep up on what you guys are into up or up to professionally but there's also it feels educational like you're doing oh, cool. your 
uh, Geoponte one for a while. Yeah, that's great and you would to see hear. interiors, you'd see some graphics, and yeah. it's a fun thing to follow. It's just graphically pleasing, but it's also the, the captions are informational. You're like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Didn't yeah, know that. Cool. cool. So, uh, okay, last question, uh, which we always do uh, butter or olive oil? Olive oil. Better. Thank you. <laughs> if, the, if, the, if, the, if the French girl didn't say butter, you know. I have to say, I've been cooking a lot the basically perfect scrambled egg, and I was oh, thrilled nice. to see butter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you have to. What yeah, you recommend. I love olive oil with fried eggs, <laughs> but you cannot make scrambled eggs with butter. <laughs> with, with, with olive oil. Uh, Amy and Anna, thank you so much. Thanks Thank you, Adam. We've really enjoyed it. The Bon Appetit Foodcast is produced by Carrie Polis and Christina Che and produced and edited by Emma Wurtzman. Our theme music is by Nathaniel Wurtzman. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to tell us about this or any other episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.